Hello, Victoria. I must say, hello, hello. How trim you're looking these days. Oh, shucks, you're only saying that because it's true. <laughs> You've been rehearsing that in the mirror. I haven't. I, 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 the thing is, I shouldn't be looking trim, but I am booked in next Monday, April the 12th, down to my gym at 10.30 in the morning to go and start getting my gym stuff on. Is that what you say? What do you say? I don't know. What if you're down with the kids? What do you say? Oh, just when the laws are starting to change, you're getting your guns out. <laughs> and my gums. I went to the dentist today. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? You're feeling shiny. Uh, I am actually feeling pretty good. What did they do? Scale and polish and check up. Had a couple of x-rays. When you say scale, what's that? Well, okay. So um, I don't know about your dentist. Are you scaly? But my dentist um, sort of uses an ultrasonic um, jet of really high pressure water, tiny, tiny thin jet, like a needle almost of water to just sort of go around the edge, getting away any hard built up tartar, which is like hardened um, mud. And then just gives them a polish with like, um, a, uh, oh, what's the word? Oh, oh, is this dementia? Setting Buffer. Buffer? Abrasive, abrasive powder. Oh, right. So first of all, what they're doing is they're fobbing you off saying that it's some fantastic supersonic thing. But it's actually just a garden power washer. Well, and then they get their Brillo pad out. And, and given that the dentist doing this is my ex-wife, then there's every chance I am getting fobbed off. Yes. <laughs> I'm surprised you still got any teeth left after that. <laughs> well, she always says that my teeth are yellow, but incredibly strong. Because the white. I are... think it works like that. Yeah. The whiter your Is teeth, the thing? more brittle they are. The whiter your teeth, the more oh brittle they God, are. Oh my God, that's so... Okay, because the Terminator tells me <laughs> that my teeth are more brittle because I'm constantly breaking teeth, but they look all right because they're a good colour. Yeah, okay. That's true. That's but very I true. Still, I'd still like some toothy pegs left, please. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you don't want to be a toothless old crone. <laughs> Maybe I do. Maybe I'll just go for the full... Go the whole hog. Are, are you looking forward to embracing crondom? <laughs> <laughs> is that a thing because i had a friend who was always talking about embracing the crone is that a thing <laughs> i constantly refer to the, that family because the mother makes they, they think their mother's a witch okay sure. and um she says things like in lockdown because i think there's a thing called lockdown aging okay it's that well-known thing it's something i've heard of okay. and uh the lockdown ageing setting in is um, inviting the crone to my doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think of what her mother used to say. She used to go, watch out, girls, you'll be invisible soon. <laughs> right. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to the You Didn't Let Me Finish podcast with me. Uh, my name is Ben Ando, and I'm a former BBC News correspondent, an all-round bad egg. <laughs> And I'm the opposite. I'm the very visible Victoria Mitzi. You can't get rid of me yet. A journalist and good egg side of the podcast, I'd like to say. Yay. Um, oh, hang on a second, though. Pause for a moment's reflection. I hope the traffic policemen are wearing black cotton gloves. Stop the Flags clocks. Are at turn off mast. the telephones. What is it? What's that WH Warden poem they say in Poor Wedding? Stop the clocks, turn off the phones, something, something, Tune something. in, turn on, no. drop out. No, not quite. Good try, but it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to just very quickly mark the death of His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh. <laughs> oh, the day did stop today when everyone found out about that. 
yeah, it's, well, I think what was interesting, so, so obviously I, I, I was actually doing some work on my computer. I heard the radio clip off, I saw it on Twitter and all the rest of it. And um, I think what struck me was, you know, if you've worked in broadcasting as we both have, you will know that the Queen, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Charles, and I think Prince William are all category one royals. And all that means is that if they die, category one protocol sets in, and that's kind of like the highest level of somberness and mourning. And what that means is that all broadcasters immediately have to transmit an announcement saying what's happened, that they've died. And that is a wording that will have been approved by Buckingham Palace. They have to play the national anthem and then they have to play somber music for a certain period of time. And this is what happened because obviously the Duke of Edinburgh is category one. He is a category one royal death, everyone. Um, you don't get many of those in your lifetime. They're all, they're all coded bridges. I think um, the Queen Mum, she was Taybridge. Queen Elizabeth, the Queen, uh, our reigning monarch, is London Bridge. And I believe the Duke of Edinburgh was fourth bridge. So as soon as it happens, like we've got a fourth bridge situation, everybody. Um, Thanks he... to me, not Hammersmith Bridge. <laughs> yeah. well, you'd be Chelsea Bridge, wouldn't you? I'd be the bridge over the great ooze. to where I'm... <laughs> <laughs> You'd be the Uzi Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> the Uzi Bridge. Well, I would be Uzi enough if I was dead. Um, so, so, oh, so this all... It was so sad. He did look a bit like he was on his way out. Well, I mean, goodness me, that last him. photo. It was like... Wow. It's like, goodness me, Miss, goodness me, the Duke of Edinburgh, you look like Keith Richards warmed up. <laughs> anyway. oh, we all knew you weren't going to be kind. <laughs> I'm being very kind. I've, I've got, I, okay, so the Duke of Edinburgh, good and bad. I, I admire the fact that he did a lot of good work. He was a champion for nature. He did sort of, he founded the Duke of Edinburgh's award scheme, which I think is a really good thing for young people. And he did a lot of work for things, with things like the World Wildlife Fund and so on. On the other hand, people who know him will um, probably not in the immediate aftermath of his death, which is not the kind of thing you say, but will say that he could be a cantankerous old sod. But then, so what? He's 99 years old. He'd earned the right to be cantankerous, I say. Uh, yeah, but he was cantankerous before that, wasn't he? <laughs> cantankerous before he was 99. <laughs> but wasn't he? He was very outspoken and he was slightly racist, I think. 99 years in a cantankerous old sod ain't one. Wasn't he racist? Um, I think that's a very... You're not allowed to go there when someone's died? Well, no, I don't think it's so much about that. It's just that, I mean, first, well, okay, so first, two things on that. First of all, he was a product of a different era. And whatever we might think nowadays, you know, you are formed and your opinions to some extent are formed when you are in your flush of youth and the world was a different place. He lived not, a very not long time. Not to I mean, he's one of the last people, <laughs> you know, he was one of the last people alive who'd actually seen active service in World War Two. Did you um, hear what I said? When I you were talking about flush of youth, I interjected with Nazi youth. Well, maybe. Um, and, you know, but, but attitudes were different when he was a young man. I suspect those attitudes that were fomented in him when he was a young man perhaps stayed with him through his life. Um, and luckily society in general has bypassed those and moved on. I think he did a lot to bring the whole family into the, uh, well, let's say the 20th century rather than the 21st century. But, you know... <laughs> He lived a long life. He lived a, uh, a, a life of um, contradictions, a life of um, interesting events. He certainly, he was certainly, he, well, I say one thing, he was never dull. 
I mean, you know, whatever you say about him, he wasn't a dull royal. He wasn't a boring That's sort true. of killer royal. He had a bit going and on, a bit of a spark about him. And I think I like going him on Going on my royal fact file and indeed everything I know about the royals, the crown has uh, suggested <laughs> that he was quite racy with the ladies. Well, I mean, he was a good-looking young man. Have you seen some photos of him when he was a young man, especially when he's in his um, full-dress uniform? He cut quite a dash. Do you like a man in uniform, Ando? You know, I mean, yeah, I think I, I could, I could, I could, I could. Um, oh, you're right there. <laughs> the uh, the computer's balanced on a piece of polystyrene from one of those boxes, and it just went haywire. <laughs> I know, I, 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 I think it's very. I'm more than happy to acknowledge when I think the man is handsome. I've got no problem with that. I think the the Duke of Edinburgh in his younger days was a very handsome, you know, a handsome man, very athletic, good sportsman. Uh, played polo and cricket for his country, so you know, no, not. No slouch on the uh, no slouch okay, on the field. Calm of play. down. <laughs> no, you know, <laughs> you need a cold shower. But the point is, though, that the thing about the Duke's death is that in the immediate aftermath, I think everybody expected there to be some solemn music. But by sort of four, five, six o'clock on the day it happened, when like Radio One was still playing nothing but instrumental versions of Lana Del Rey's "Shine," then it was like I saw people say, "Hold on a second, yeah, I'm really sorry, he's dead, but can we have our normal radio back?" Can we have our normal life back now? Can we have all the sort of usual Aww. shite on the telly back I now? Think, I think um, I feel so... Because the Queen HRH is obviously going to be in tatters because they've been together. Or maybe actually she's... Uh, I think he annoyed her on uh, from time to time, didn't he? Uh, do you think she would be sort of taking to social media herself saying, oh, oh, I'm in bits? Because that's what people say, isn't it? I'm in bits. A queen, she's in bits. That's well, if she say. didn't, if she didn't tweet her COVID jab, <laughs> then possibly she's not jumping on the bandwagon. I hope, I hope she's taking to Facebook to say there's another angle in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> she obviously did take to Facebook. The Queen's taken to Twitter and said there's another angle in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for a story angle on that one. <laughs> no, not quite. Can we? Yes. Can we um move on and just pay our respects and say we're really sorry for the okay? Loss. Yeah. I mean, the only point I really wanted to make was the one thing that did that, that that did make me chuckle on Twitter in the aftermath of the death was everybody saying, "Look, I totally want to pay my respects. I understand, you know, the nation will have a period of mourning, but the one thing I can't put up with is wall to wall Nicholas Witchell. <laughs> <laughs> is he that bad? What? I don't know, but it's just, he's, I think it's that, the, the lot of the royal correspondent to be seen as a bit of a joke, isn't it? I mean, it, it doesn't strike you as real journalism. I know someone's got to do it. And I admire those that do for the skills they have in bringing, um, you know, coherent wording to the job. But at the end of the day, royal correspondent is probably the dry hump of news gathering, isn't it? <laughs> um, I've got some news coming in. Oh, go on then. What's your news coming Apparently, in? Apparently, rapper DMX has died. Oh, okay. He picked the wrong day to die, didn't he? He really did. <laughs> you said you almost said that in a hippity hop fashion. <laughs> a hit, a hop, a hippy, 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 hippy. How can you don't stop? Oh, except rapper DMX has. I don't understand his life because there's a lot of people saying like, "Still the rumours, please," but. The Terminator, our, our number one reporter. <laughs> He's got his finger on the pulse of modern rap. He totally has. Oh, he oh, don't, don't. He thinks he does. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm cleaning windows. Yo!
He was on life support with not much more the doctors could do. And he's um, exper- he was experiencing all- significant organ failure, says TMZ, oh. an hour ago. But apparently that's been updated with his death. So, um, yeah, what, what uh, Terminator would like to know is what uh, conversation they're going to have at the pearly gates. Him. Yeah, and the Duke. And the Duke, yeah. Well, the first thing we said, tell me, did you come far? That's what they always, that's what the royals always ask people when they meet them. Tell me, have you come <laughs> I thought that was some kind of competition. Yeah. No, so, well, given, that, given that the Terminator's now got his finger on the pulse of rap music, do we have to rename him Cherm Doggy Dog or something? <laughs> uh, what does he say? Because I quite like my, I'm quite good at cooking up rap names. <laughs> okay, then. Like, you... Well, actually, it's you, Jizzy, Jizzy Rascal. <laughs> <laughs> Although that's a bit more grimy, isn't it? Chermzy. <laughs> I just... think Terminator will do <laughs> it. Terminator's actually not bad. We could call him, I don't know, 50 pence instead of 50 <laughs> cents. <laughs> I can't think of any. My cupboard's dry. What, you're... <laughs> You're, 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 you've opened your wrap cupboard and there's nothing, there's, there's no Dr. Dre hanging up. Just the moment you said that, I looked in the background and there's, there appears to be a little safe behind you. Is that a wrap cupboard? <laughs> or is that where you keep all your booty from your sales? It is. It, it totally is. It's, it's, are you talking about that cupboard there? No, oh, no I'm that, talking that about there. that. It is, it's where I keep my booty. Talking of booty... 50, if you're 50 Ps. Well, talking of booty, we are going to be talking a little bit later on about somebody with a very famous booty, aren't we? Oh, yeah, but she was trying to cover it up for once. She was, but we'll come come to that in a minute. Guess who that is, everyone. First, we're going um, to talk about. Yeah, but no, can we say a big, a big uh, sorry and sad send our sad wishes for DMX because uh, he's a bit, a bit of okay. a legend. I've got okay. to say. Okay. Just um, to say that. You know, mm. full disclosure, I'd never even heard of DMX until I heard that DMX was in hospital. So I have no idea who he is. I'm sure. He well, was... he'll be number one in all the album charts, so you will. Um. Okay, fair enough. Well, so where are we going now, mister? I think it's time for Lorraine Cox. Oh, of course, yes. We have a, another. The, it's the case that, that keeps on going, doesn't it? Well, indeed, it is the case that keeps on going because it was a, a court case that has now come to the end. Okay. Partner of murder victim Lorraine Cox on heartbreak. On heartbreak? I think it means in heartbreak after planning future together. Elise Fallow pays a moving tribute to a woman she hoped to spend the rest of her life with. So you can imagine that I hear that story. I think it was, uh, or I I come across this story and I think, well, that's a bit confusing because um, it appeared that she'd had, I think it was consenting sexual relations. So, okay, so this is what the court was told. The court was told during the trial of Azam Manguri that he followed her. She, she would, she'd gone out for a night out with friends. Uh, she got very drunk. She decided to go home and she was obviously unsteady on her feet. She made his way home. Azam Manguri saw her cross the road to go to her, started talking to her. And then the evidence was this, that they uh, started chatting. They walked along together. He was steering her because she was obviously still unsteady on her feet. 
They went into an alleyway where they had sex, and then they went and got a kebab, and then they went back to his flat where he murdered her. That is that is what the court was told. And so for Elise Fallow, who is Lorraine Cox's partner, listening to this evidence, it must have been very difficult to hear. Um, now, obviously, she would have taken, I suppose, I don't want to say some comfort, but some consolation, perhaps, in the fact that clearly Lorraine Cox was very, very drunk and obviously her judgment was badly impaired. She would normally go off with a strange man, have sex with him, have a kebab with him, and then go back to his flat. But it, but it must have been very difficult for her to hear this. She said that her heart was broken, never to be repaired. She said, nothing will stop the pain I feel, that the love of my life is not by my side. Yes, and they plan to uh, start a family together with Lorraine carrying the child. So they, they'd gone quite far down this road of, of family planning. Um, and in the statement, I think you've said the murder of Lorraine is something I'll never recover from. Every day I think about things that will never happen again. And so this was what was surprising for me, to say the least, to find... Um, that this woman was saying every day I think about these things um, I'll never kiss and cuddle and hold hands we'll never explore the countryside together just the total antithesis of what has actually happened to this poor woman yeah I mean it's desperately sad and also the court heard that um, Lorraine Cox had been sexually assaulted in May 2018 by a man named Robert Prout um, from Exeter now he was found guilty of assaulting and raping another woman um, and jailed for 10 years in January so um, when this happened, the jury was told at the murder trial um, that uh, Lorraine Cox had moved from Exeter to Scotland, um, possibly, I suppose, to, to start a new, a new life um, uh, with, with Lee's fellow, but had just returned to visit friends in Exeter um, when she went for this fateful night out and when she was um, murdered by um, Adam Manguri. It's, I mean, it's just, it is desperately, desperately sad. And, so, and so, what's so sad about this, in a way, is that the chances of it happening were so low. If she hadn't happened to go back that weekend to see her friends, mm. if she hadn't, you know, decided to leave them and go home, maybe if she, you know, not decided to take that particular route. There are so many, you know, small decisions that were taken, things that happened that sort of led her on this sort of this path where she encountered this this evil killer who was, you know, you said as you've said before, was obsessed by amputation. Um, was staying here illegally anyway, um, or only, well, he had, he had had his application to stay refused. Whether he was actually illegal at the point at which he did this crime, I don't know. I don't know whether the paperwork had been done to say you have to leave, you have to be deported. Lorraine Cox seems like a very popular person, not just, you know, uh, uh, it comes out after people's deaths, doesn't it? Um, if they're a victim of crime, there's this outpouring, but it just seems to be that she was a particularly kind of outgoing and special person. Also, I wanted to remark on the amount of times that we've said the same thing, that it's always a really unfortunate sequence of events that leads to people getting into these positions where they become vulnerable, isn't it? And that's something that it often comes in the aftermath of a trial. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Are, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, um, you know, all plane crashes are always caused by one, not one, not two, but usually three at least things going wrong simultaneously. And, and it's the same a lot of the time with, with murders. It, cheery, cheery analogy. 
Well, it's a, it's a good analogy because it's, it's often yeah, it's the very same good. with Moses. Yes. Because, you know, if, if somebody had done that thing, that might have been okay. But they did that thing and then they also did that thing. And that mm. led them in a position where they ended up doing this third thing. And that was the, and, and all those things taken together are what put them in a position where they, mm. um, they end up um, somehow encountering somebody who had evil intent, a killer, who had then the time and the opportunity to carry out the crime. It's very, very sad. And also, the note we left it on last time was, uh, what would he get? And he got a minimum of 20 years before yeah, um, considered I, for release. That sort of sounds about right, at least 20 years. I, I think that's, you know, his, what is he now? He's 24 years old, so he won't be even, um, you know, considered for um, parole until he's 44. And so, yeah, you know, he is giving up a large part of the best years of his life to basically pay his debt to society carrying out this awful, awful killing. You've summarised that very well. Can we talk about monkeys now? I thought we were going to talk about... Cl- what? Oh. <laughs> oh! We'll talk about monkeys after Kardashian bot. Are we talking about we? the same thing here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, they're very wealthy monkeys, I've got to say. Go on. Do you want to talk about Chloe or do you want to talk about monkeys? Should we go for monkeys? Go for it. You tell me. Because... I'm going to make a very serious social anthropological comment about this. How monkeys made more friends after their island was devastated by a hurricane. Anyone who looks at my Twitter, at Misty Holland, will have seen me posting this this morning. Because apparently, it's a University of Exeter in part research saying that devastating environmental disasters have a way of bringing people together. And scientists have found the same may also hold true for monkeys. New research involving UK scientists has found that rhesus macaques living in Cayo Santiago, Puerto Rico, have made more friends and become more tolerant of each other after a major hurricane ravaged the island in 2017. Okay, I think that's enough to say. <laughs> I'd like to know how they measure monkeys becoming more tolerant. <laughs> is it the frequency? I'm not snapping at him anymore. I gave it... him one last warning. <laughs> is it? Maybe it's the frequency with which they pick lice off each other or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like the photo. It was also an opportunity to post a cute animal photo because they look like, yeah. <laughs> isn't this the, <laughs> this is funny, but isn't this the monkey equivalent of what we call the spirit of the blitz? Which is like, you know, when when you are on, when you are set on, when, when as a sort of a group, a community of people, you know, you are under the cosh, then it does bring you together and it does kind of create that sort of harmony that perhaps in, in more prosperous or happier times wouldn't be there. Here's the question. You do pull together. Here's the question I'd like to pose to you. Do you think the COVID-19 pandemic has had that effect on people? I think in some ways it has. If you think about when people can actually do something to make a difference, they largely do. So lots and lots of people are volunteering, for example, to help at vaccination centres, because that feels like a positive. And, I mean, let's face it, you know, whatever whatever else you say, the vaccination program in the United Kingdom has been an unmitigated success. It's been superb. It's, it's far uh, excuse me. anything else in the world. Please, sir, can I have one? Have you not had one yet? That's I, you, I'm uh, the last person. It got to my go. Like we were kind of, not even my go. It was kind of looming in the foreground. And then they said, oh, I'm sorry, oh, the Europeans have to have it. And I thought, <laughs> well, maybe I should go to Holland where I'm half from. As I saw the other there. day on, on one social media feed, <laughs> There was a lucky lady saying, right, 
I'm waxed, I'm vaxxed, and I'm off on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Who was that? I can't remember. But seriously, look, so, look, so the bartender, look. <laughs> just like being on holiday, isn't it? Yes, I'm waxed, I'm vaxxed, and I'm ready to relax. <laughs> Oh, that looks like a nice glass of wine. No, it's a it's a it's a piano. piano. It's um it's a glass of piss. <laughs> no, it's um piss cider, two pounds a bottle that I love. Oh, okay, cool. Good for you. Good for you and your and your piss, and your pissy pants cider. <laughs> oh no, Ian's so gonna say that in his summary of our <laughs> podcast, isn't he? Well, misty, Victoria misty. drinking piss. Mist, misty pissy pants. <laughs> don't make me laugh i will be <laughs> yeah, there's a bit of wind back, coming out. back to the monkeys you know what i want to say don't you go on say it well i've seen people clamoring a bit i've seen not only people breaking restrictions left right and center i'm not on my soapbox okay i am not much. uh <laughs> it's enormous <laughs> but i've also seen people kind of fighting over job positions and being quite undoing there's all this clapping for carers that stopped after about five minutes didn't it no one could be bothered anymore no one clapped for it and i just thought i don't know about correct a few things here first of all clapping for carers which i i must i've only said a few things are you going to correct them all no but i'm going to correct this (laughs) okay i'll be completely honest i I forgot every single week to clap for carers and honestly i wouldn't have bothered if i remembered but much as i salute the nhs they were just doing their job Um, are you saluting them well, yeah, but they did their jobs. It was great, and that's wonderful. But they were doing their jobs. Um, the thing about the, the clap yeah, but for no carers, one else was is the point, the, the and they were putting themselves the, in danger. The, the clap for carers was just about the first lockdown. It was people going out and clapping during first lockdown, and when first lockdown stopped, it ended, and that was perfectly fine. We're not supposed to be clapping for carers now. Are we? I think it was also because the clapping for carers, if you can say it, uh, round here was rubbish. Yeah. And like you'd get, you know, we'd turn out with a pot and then my daughter would be really excited about banging the pot and it was just echoing around a bit. Well, the you'd one hear is... a clap over the other side of the estate and it was a bit sad, really. Oh, fair enough. Mm. So it was crap for carers, really, I thought. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Crapping for carers. <laughs> That's what you did with your good nature. Right, go on. Tell me more about um, the monkeys then. I think that's it, because I just wanted to say how the monkeys can help each other. I think we should be nicer to each other, too. Although well, people are nice to us with our podo. Well, maybe we should be like, more uniting. like monkeys. I don't know. Like the monkeys you are at the like zoo. like a monkey. Maybe, maybe like, like monkeys at the zoo, we should gather in places and then wait for a crowd of school children passing by and start masturbating openly. Or flinging shit. Or flinging shit at them. That's <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> well, it depends. You can you can say hello to Azam Mangori when you're in the cell next to him then. Oh, well, I'll throw shit at him. <laughs> um, I'd like to say that that brings um, up a memory of, I, I thought, what can I watch with my four-year-old that will be something interesting to both of us? And she loves animals. So I thought I'd try the like nature programs. First <laughs> of all, right? First, I went to a wolf uh, program and it was the white wolves and something on Netflix. And these white wolves um, decided to all gang up on some lone wolf mother and kill her pups. And I quickly had to like scramble for the remote control. And my daughter was like, mommy, what's that? 
in its mouth. And I was like, oh no, I couldn't find the remote control to put it on pause. And it was like a dead wolf pup when she just loves all things Bambi and all that kind of stuff. So I quickly got that out of the way and I thought, okay, let's try chimps. And it was David Attenborough. <laughs> All the chimps ganged up. They are vicious creatures. Oh, yeah, chimps are really vicious. But this is nature, red in tooth and claw, and maybe your daughter needs to learn about this. It's not all. David was the king of the chimp group, but he was losing his grip on the chimp pack. I know, and you can see... I'm not surprised he was losing his grip, given that he hasn't got an opposable thumb. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't know how to text. (laughs) That was his problem. (laughs) But David was looking a bit concerned because he had like male rivals in the area. And do you know what they did? They all got even one. He was getting some backup from one of the male chimps who was quite young in his pack. And he was the right age to be the kingpin. And um, and then that male turned on him and clubbed together with the other males. And then all of a sudden they were like, the, all they showed was this kind of ma- maelstrom of, of chimps like attacking, jumping on top. And they're sort of their body weight. They're quite dense in muscle. They were attacking and then they just showed before I could get to the remote to censor it again they showed David's dead hand and they were panning up the body and they were like and then David and by this point I was in tears trying to find the remote control honestly even David Attenborough's scaring the kids was it David about David David on David <laughs> oh that sounds a bit grinder <laughs> <laughs> I think we should um, go on to describe what's got Chloe's knickers in a twist um, (laughs) as she's defended her right to edit pictures of herself after an unfiltered snap was mistakenly shared online and that is it doesn't say exactly how that's done but her team have been trying to get this um, bikini shot in which she's just standing in a leopard print bikini you've probably seen it by now and that was shared on social media and then i think the issue with this is that she didn't have a filter on it and um then it became shared more widely obviously because she tried to get it back so now it's probably become the most viewed photograph of of um chloe kardashian there is um she said that her self-image has been battered by years of cruel comments online so in the light of that quite an odd thing to do to post something and then desperately trying to retrieve it so i'm not quite sure what the publicity machine is up to here uh but i think you agree with me in that she looks absolutely fine she looks great i mean she looks really really good in the photo and what i don't really understand is is again this is the old thing we've talked about this before with around for example um barbara streisand's house being photographed by a a company that was just um documenting the, the california coastline and it's the old old story. As soon as you try and take get something taken down and draw attention to it, make it known that you don't want it out there, then all of a sudden it immediately becomes much more interesting, much more um, shareable, if you like. And that kind of it, it snowballs into something into exactly what you didn't want it to be. So the act of trying to get it taken down and hidden almost guarantees that far more people will see it, talk about it, look at it. Than ever would have done if you just put it online. What she should have done, really, is just leave it up there and then quickly put a load more photos of herself that she was happy with, maybe with some kind of angle that everybody would have gravitated towards. And that one of her in the bikini would have been forgotten about. 
Here's my take on it. Go she on. really doesn't look that bad in that bikini at all. I think most women would be very happy with that body. And with my cynical media hat on, which yeah, is quite on. big and looks like Jamiroquai hat. Now she's posted another video, which you showed me, Ben, yeah. of, um, it, of it, proving that her body is this and that. And it's a very good body because she obviously works on it all the time. And, uh, Are you saying this is a very it. elaborate humble brag? I think so. Humble it, oh, brag. I look so good. terrible. Is that a thing? I look so, take it down. Take it down. I look so terrible. Is that what takes I mean? one to know one? <laughs> I think she looks great in the in the, in the photo. There's nothing. She knows she looks great in the photo because hor- we both know that a horrible photo ain't that. A horrible photo <laughs> is you eating in the corner of a restaurant, looking <laughs> looking a bit sweaty, slack jawed, mouth open. What what is it that? I mean, I'd like to know what is the. What is the thing in this photograph that she objects to? Okay, the issue is that she is the fat, ugly sister of the, you know, big silicone pumped up she's older the, sister who's she, richer, etc. She's supposed to be the fat, ugly. I don't know any of these Kardashians. She's supposed to be the fat, ugly one. You know what Kim Kardashian looks like, though, don't you? Oh, not really. I mean, I, I, don't I'm, you? I'm aware of it. Hang on, let me get you. Do you want me to do an impression? Go on, then. Let me just get you. Oh, that. <laughs> in fact there's a thing that i did on instagram that you can blow well my friend did it and you can blow up your face like you've had botox okay. and it really is brilliant it's like you know the bride of wildenstein it makes your face like that <laughs> we're all doing it my daughter didn't stop wanting to do it poking her face in the uh, filter thing because she her and her little friend thought it was hilarious to botox themselves <laughs> <laughs> oh apparently kim kardashian is in a relationship with kanye Chur. That well-known rapper. <laughs> I think she might have slightly more trouble with the, this current one in extorting millions. Oh, she's a gold digger. <laughs> <laughs> she might not be accustomed, be kept in the lifestyle she's accustomed to. I think she looks fabulous oh. in this photo. Yeah. She's making a point, and yeah. I think she wants everyone to say she looks fabulous because actually she's trying to not be the ugly little sister. But I, I do think that it's really hard to sympathise with someone who's got squillions who's saying, oh, poor me, I'm there. You're just like, oh, well, I, you know, I wouldn't mind a selfie like that. I just don't buy into all of that stuff. I don't do it, as you yeah. may have noticed. You know, but you don't. No, I know you don't. You're, you're not one of the filters and Botox and everything, are you? <laughs> are you joking? Yeah, I'm not joking at all. Do you think I should be? What, into Botox? No, God, no. No, I mean into selfies and doing all that. Um, I don't don't know why you shouldn't do selfies. If you want to do selfies, if that's what you feel you need to do. Oh, in that case, I shall take a daily selfie and send it to you. I can hardly wait. I've just just, um, looked at the car. So their their father was the lawyer who defended OJ Simpson. Okay, everyone's yawning because we knew this. You see, I'm just finding this out. And what's interesting to me is that I heard Kim talk uh, on a chat show the other day. And I like her. I thought, oh, God, she's annoying and all of that. She's savvy. She's together. And because I judged her on all the exterior shit that other people are buying into. So you fell right into the trap then? But I saw her heart and it was a good one. And I could, I, I think, heaven... Heaven has another angle in it. <laughs> Heaven's a place on earth. Um, right. 
I'd like to say thank you to people for interacting with us on our Twitter feed, for Yay. kind comments and support from other podcasters. Those are the people that I'm going to give a massive hug to this week. Also, there was something else. I made a little note because I've forgotten it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know who you are making comments that we should get Satan blood shoes that we referred to last week. <laughs> Me and you should get them for the podcast and maybe some kind of violent wear. <laughs> um, yes. And yeah, yeah. That's all I wanted to say. Thanks for the hilarious social media interactions because they kind of keep me going through the week. It's lovely. Hmm? Oh, yeah. We wanted to talk about the dope farm. Do oh, you want to do that? If you want to. I don't mind. I, 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 we had a dope farm in my village. So. <laughs> oh, do you? Is that where you get your stash from? Yeah, my stash of dope. Stash of hash. Um, there was one found in Oxford. On the Blackbird Lees estate. Because I just wanted to say, in terms of true, I suppose that's true crime, isn't it? Because I would have, I would be sent. It'd be like, oh, do I or don't I want to include this latest forest in, you know, the backwaters of Buckinghamshire <laughs> in in my news bulletin or not? I'm always quite impressed. That one, I did I post it? I did post it because I love the fact that that can go on in the English countryside or in Luton or anywhere you know, nondescript places, then there's all of a sudden some heat coming out of the house. And it's think, always that they smelt a bit of a funny smell. I think describing Luton as the English countryside is a little bit of a push. I said Luton or the English countryside. What are you doing with your hoodie? I'm being hip hop. You're you're I'm thinking of drugs. Hits. You're thinking of drugs, aren't you? And so you thought, yes. I've got a hoodie, I've got to pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you smoked cannabis in the last 10 years? Not in the last 10 years, no. No. Would you no, like to? No. I don't, I don't really care. I, I, I think about drugs like cannabis or any kind of drug. You do it if you're bored of your life or you feel like you need something extra in your life. Because I'm pretty happy in my life. And I don't feel like I need anything extra. It's all good. So I don't feel the Do you need feel like you need that. to tell us how happy you are? No, not at all. But you did ask me if I smoked cannabis. What was that like humble pie thing that you said? What was that? Humble pie. Humble brag, not humble pie. Humble pie is something different. <laughs> I frequently oh. have to eat that. I oh, I was hoping you'd take a bite. You're one of the people on my I don't say sorry list. No, the thing you don't take, the thing you have to take a bite is a great big shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> However much I love my carby bread, I think I'll avoid that I'll, one. I'll eat my humble pie while you chow down on your big shit sandwich. <laughs> With, full, of, full of shit thrown at you by chimpanzees. <laughs> well, I hope you've got a shit pie. <laughs> a massive murder pie. I hope I don't fumble my humble pie. <laughs> you probably will. You'll bungle it. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rumble in the humble. Right then. All right. Happy days. How are you going off into your evening tide? What are you well, going I've, to do? I've got my can of pineapple, which is nearly finished now. I thought you were going to say cannabis. And it's pizza night here, so it's pizza and movie night. What movie are you watching? Oh, I don't know. My daughter will choose something. I don't know. Oh, lucky you. I wish I had a movie chooser. I'm the movie chooser. So we oh, end up watching David Attenborough. They're not, they're not movies. That's just boring documentaries. Isn't it? Oh, I quite like a boring oh, documentary. I watched, a, I watched a film last night with my other daughter called I'm Thinking of Ending It. Have you seen that? No. Oh, it's really weird. It's about this central female character who... <laughs> it's, about... <laughs> it's about this central female character who is kind Why of Why are you like... laughing, Ben? With this... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm laughing because I can't bleach my eyes. <laughs> she's, Go on, tell me about this central female character before she, I die. She's going, she's going out with this guy in there and it's car and they're driving and he seems to be able to hear her thoughts. And they end up at his house meeting his parents. It all gets very weird, very quick. And it's almost, we really struggle to work out what the hell was going on. I'll leave it at that because obviously no spoilers. <laughs> Between you. Yeah, and if, if, if we were still talking about it at breakfast this morning. <gasps> have you seen Bef- Before Her Eyes? Behind Her Eyes? Behind, yes, I have. I enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah, that I was really good. That. Yeah. Did, Did you, you go? <laughs> Are you saying you didn't see it coming? <laughs> There was a bit of a twist um, in the turn of that one, wasn't there? It was a twist. So I saw other things coming, but ah, definitely not that. The final twist. <sighs> I've got to just recover. Give me a moment. Yeah. Oh, let's go yeah. on a cruise. But mum, you hate boats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're such an old lady with your box sets. What are you going to be doing when all this lockdown unlocks? Well, I know. It's, it's going to be really You're difficult. You're going to do some murder. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that would be the stupid thing, would be. I'd be, I'd be committing the murder after lockdown, which is what we decided was the best time to commit murder. That would be stupid. Talking of murder, what's it like having your ex-wife do your dentist? <laughs> it's not like heart-to-heart, that's what I'm saying. Is it like Sweeney Todd? <laughs> Demon dentist <laughs> of central London. Yeah, it was um, actually, I have to say, very good. Very good experience. She's very, very good at her job, Grudging as I am, grudging as it is to admit, it's very, very good. I did a very, very good job. Do you have to give your mouth a warm up before you open it because you're so bitter? <laughs> I'm not <I'm> spitting feathers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. You look like a big chicken. <laughs> cluck, cluck. Sorry, cock. <laughs> <laughs> right, on that note. Here comes Ben, cluckety cluck, down with his trousers. Yes. Okay, on that happy note. Bye bye, Victoria. Okay. All right, bye, Ben. Have we, said our, uh, have we said our Twitter handle that shit? Good it's... thinking. At least someone's on the ball around here. Absolutely. It must be this beer. At YDLMF. <laughs> here we go. Podcast. <laughs> and you can email us at you didn't let me finish podcast at gmail.com. You can. So do that because we know that um, a lot of people are listening from the far-flung corners of the earth. Don't just listen. Get involved and talk to us because we want to know where you're listening from and why indeed, what what you enjoy about uh, us because we don't know. <laughs> we certainly have no idea. No uh, idea at all. Anyway. But to- toodle pit for another week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>